Man, I'm excited about today. Can I get an amen? Uh, Webster's Dictionary, uh, when you look up the word contentment, it has an interesting definition for the word contentment. When you look it up in Webster's, this is what Webster's has to say about it. He says, contentment is the state of being happy. And then he goes on and says, and satisfied. So if we were to look at the definition that we would look up in the dictionary and say, well, what does Dr. Webster have to say about that? He would say, well, if you are content, you're happy or satisfied. And when I look at that and I begin to think about that, here's the probing question. Are you happy and satisfied? Are you content? Now listen carefully. I want you to write this down. It's not in your notes, but there's a lot of things I'm going to tell you to write down today that I hope will help you. And that is this. Write this down. Contentment is not complacency. Write that down. Because complacency is laziness. Uh, that is, a lot of times when people get complacent, they get lazy. We're not talking about being lazy. We're not, we're not addressing that. So Contentment is not complacency. When you really stop and think about it, we're living in a time that most people have more material things than they've ever had before in the history of the world. When you look at our world today, we've been blessed with all kinds of stuff, all kinds of things. we got more houses, more cars, more stuff, more things. So many things that a lot of times we don't know what to do with them. We have yard sales to get rid of our stuff. Can I get an amen? So when I look at that, we're living in a time in history, more so than ever in the world, that we got a lot of material stuff, yet at the same time, most people are unsatisfied, they're unhappy, they're unfulfilled, and they're uncontent. How do you find contentment? Where do you get to a, how do you get to a place in your life where you finally narrow it down and you lock it down and you go, man, I am really content. How do you find that? Where is that all about? Is it possible for a non-Christian to be content? Can you be lost and don't know Jesus and yet at the same time still be content? Uh, back in June of 2017, God allowed me uh, to preach a sermon one Sunday on the subject of discontentment. Since that time, God's Spirit has begun to gnaw me about the subject of contentment. For six months, uh, the last six months, I've been studying and I've been praying and I've been thinking and wrestling with the, this subject of contentment. Can a person ever really be content? And if so, if you can be content, how do you achieve that? How do you finally get there? Today we start a brand new teaching series that's titled The Mystery of Contentment. And I just want you to underline that word mystery because really and truly, it, it really is a mystery how do you get content in your life. And we're going to be looking at that for the next couple of Sundays. And I'm going to be preaching on the subject of mystery of contentment for the next four Sundays. And I, all of you that are here, are you here? Say amen. Uh, all of you that are here, if you don't come the next four Sundays and get the rest of this, uh, you probably won't make it to heaven when you die. Or, or at least you'll go to heaven defected, you know. Uh, so you got to really make sure that you hit all the cylinders here. You got to make sure that you come uh, the next four Sundays because every Sunday we're going to build on it. How do you really get there? What does that really mean? How do you achieve that? Is it possible uh, for you to have contentment? Now, now before we look in the outline today, I want to make a couple of statements to you that I really think is good statements. And that is this. Uh, the, the contentment is a mystery. As a matter of fact, I believe, it, uh, I believe it's a mystery in two ways for the Christian. First of all, how does a Christian find contentment? Can a Christian really be content? And I think that's a mystery. I really think all of us wrestle with that. And then the second statement, which I think is a profound statement, you may want to remember this, I believe the Christian ought to be the most content person in this world yet at the same time the most unsatisfied person in the world. 
Now let me say that to you again. I believe that every child of God ought to be the most contented person on planet earth while at the same time the most unsatisfied. And the reason I would say that is that when you begin to study contentment and you begin to look at the biblical understanding of that, we ought to be content in Christ. But yet at the same time, we ought to be totally unsatisfied. Why? Because we're, this is not our home, y'all. This is not where we're going to be forever. So we ought to be unsatisfied while at the same time being incredibly content. And to me, that's a mystery. So when I look at it, the Christian, it's a real mystery in the subject of contentment. And then I want to make the statement. I'm absolutely convinced that an unbeliever can never be content. I believe that if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're never going to be content. You're not going to be content in this world, and you're not going to be content in the world to come. You see, I'm convinced of that because God has created us with a God-shaped vacuum inside of us. And we try to put this in there, and we try to put that in there. We try to get new cars and find more friends and get, a, get positions and get money and get prestige and get power and all this stuff. And we get stuff that we, that we, that we accumulate in our life, and we try to fit that in in that hole and that in that spot and that in that spot only to realize that what we do is we go from this to this to this to this to try to find contentment. So an unbeliever will never be content. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're never going to be content in this life. You're always going to try to find something else. There's always going to be something else that you're thinking, man, that's going to fulfill me. That's going to bring purpose to my life. That's going to bring something that's going to sustain me. And when you get it, you're going to realize that once you get that, that's not going to be what you really need. And you're never going to be content in your life. Everything that you get is going to be like sand slipping through your fingers. It's like you pick up the sand and it just kind of goes through your fingers. And you look at your hand and you go, man, there's nothing left. Haggai says it's like putting coins in your pockets and your pockets have holes in them. And you're trying to stuff things in your life that will bring you fulfillment and contentment. And you're never going to be happy with what you've got. You're always going to be looking for something else. You're never going to be happy and content in this life and you're never going to be content in the life that is yet to come. So you've got to realize that I'm a convinced believer that unbelievers will never be content. You're never going to be content in this world without a personal relationship with Jesus. And I think it would be natural for the unbeliever to be restless. I believe it's natural for the unbeliever to be unfulfilled. I believe it's natural for the unbeliever to be restless and anxious and, and feeling like they don't have being able to find their purpose. But yet my problem, why is it that so many Christians, so many believers, so many people that are calling themselves the child of God, why are they so restless? Why are they so unfruitful? Why are they so unabundant? Why are, why are believers lacking spiritual fruit? Why is it that a lot of believers are unsettled and void and unhappy and anxious and worried and concerned and filled with fear? Yes, I suppose that looking at it on the surface, contentment is a mystery, but is it really? Today I want to start off as we begin our teaching today on the subject of the mystery of contentment and the sermon title is this, say it with me everybody, how to be content where? In Christ. How do you become content in Christ? I want you to take your copy of God's word and I want you to open it up to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to young Timothy. And when you open your Bible to 1 Timothy in chapter 6, and I really want you to open your Bible up, and I really want you to look at chapter 6 and verse number 6 and verse number 7. And when you look there together, you're going to be able to 
you're going to discover some very important things. So the, the title today is How to Be Content in Christ. Look in verse number 6. Are you with me? Say amen. But godliness with contentment is what, church? Great gain. Let's read verse 6 together again, everybody. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is what? Certain we can bring, carry nothing out. Now, if you look at verse number 6, you begin to realize that Paul, speaking to Timothy, begins to box him in to how do you find contentment? And if you will notice in verse number 6, he says godliness. Godliness with contentment. So when we think about Christian contentment, it must come from the principles of godliness. Underline that in your Bible. Godliness with contentment. In other words, if you're a believer and you know Christ as your Savior, what's going to regulate your contentment? What are the principles for you to find contentment? Well, the Bible tells us it's godliness. What is godliness? When you look at your Bible and you begin to understand that you begin that God gives guidelines that are going to be profitable for you and that profit the Bible says is going to bring you great gain in other words if you want to get better and better and better and you want to get gain more gain in your life it's not about stuff and things and possessions and material things but rather it's not about all this stuff that's going on out here but listen are you listening say amen it's what God is doing on the inside of you you see the Bible says that in order in order for you to be content, that your contentment has to be regulated by godliness. And I don't want you to miss that. In other words, you've got to set your principles up in your life. What is, what is godliness? And the Bible tells us all the way through here how that we are to live godly before the Lord. That is, everything we think, everything that we say, everything that we do, every action we're involved in, every relationship that we have has to be regulated by the principles of God's Word that's going to propel us into the regulatory spiritual life of godliness. And when we're walking godly before the Lord, are you listening? Say amen. When you're walking godly before the Lord, come hell or high water, come the mountaintop or the valley, come the good times or the bad times, you can walk in contentment. And the Bible says that God will give you great gain. In other words, what's going to happen to you is you're going to get richer and richer. You're going to get the, world, the relationship with Jesus is going to get sweeter and sweeter. The things of this world will become dimmer and dimmer. But the glories of heaven will become brighter and brighter. The, the past will get further and further behind you. The, the, the future will become gloriously clear for you. You're going to be able to walk in the place where God is going to bless you every day of your life. You can get up every day, put your feet on the floor, say, praise God, I'm a child of God. And because of that, my life is going to be regulated by godliness. And because my life is regulated by godliness, I am content. And when I become content, I have great gain in my life. Now look at verse number 7. This is what it says to each and every one of us. For we brought nothing into this world. Do you believe that? Say amen. When you came out of the womb of your mom and you came through the birth canal and you were born, I'm telling you, you didn't have a three-piece suit on. You didn't have a car. You didn't have a house. You had, look at Brother Jackie, you had zilch. You had nothing. Look at me. You were naked. You didn't have anything in this world. You didn't have anything. You didn't have any clothes on. You were naked. And you brought nothing in this world. And look at the emphasis in verse number 7. It is 
certain. Look at me, bro. Look at me, guys. It is certain you're going to carry nothing out with you. Can I get an amen? You know what they're going to do with your stuff? They'll have a yard sale. And they're going to sell it. I mean, they're going to try to get rid of it for a quarter. And then somebody like me is going to come and try to jew them down at the yard sale. And then, and then what they have left over, they're going to give to the Hannah home. And then I'm going to go visit the Hannah home and buy your ties for cheap. And they're just going to get rid of your stuff, and you're not going to carry anything out with you. Look, when you're on your day of death, when, when they're having your funeral, there's not going to be a U-Haul behind the hearse going, look, wait, look, we got all kind of stuff. No, they're, they're, not going to get, they're going to give you the time of day with that. You brought nothing in this world. You had nothing. You're going to carry nothing with you. So guess what, guys? On the journey, what does God want for you? God wants you to be content. God wants you to find, watch this, that peace, that joy, that contentment, that fulfillment, that abundance that can only come from the inside. It's not all this stuff on the outside. It's not what the world has to offer, but it's what God is going to do on the inside. Wouldn't you like that in 2018? Wouldn't y'all like that? Can I get an amen? I look at that and I go, man, I really want that. Now take your Bible, turn to the book of Philippians over there quickly to Philippians chapter 4. Paul, the great writer of the New Testament, begins to tell us how we can achieve that. And it's amazing to me because when Paul begins to instruct us, he tells us some things about his own life. Where did Paul write this from? He wrote it from prison. He was in a Roman prison in the dungeon of the prison and he began to write about contentment. Are you kidding me? How do you do that? I mean, when I'm in prison, not when I'm in, because I'm never going to go there, but, but if I was in prison, if I was in prison, I'd be going, hey, you know what? I'm not content here. But Paul, watch this. He's down there. He's chained to a Roman guard. He's chained 24 hours a day and he's content. How in the world can you get there? And then Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, he says, not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned. Underline that in your Bible. I've learned. You know what? Life is a classroom, isn't it? And we learn. I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be what? Content. I've learned that. I've had to learn that, Paul says. I know how to be abased. And another translation says, I know how to be humbled. Another thing says, I know how to be made low. And I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. What's he saying? He's saying, man, I'm okay when I'm on the mountain. I'm okay when I'm in the valley. I'm okay when it's good times and I'm okay when it's bad times. I'm okay when I want to shout praise the Lord. I'm okay when I'm just crying in prayer. In other words, I can learn to be content here and here. Uh, this, my position in life, my journey of life does not dictate my contentment. I, I'm not going to be content because I'm here one day and down. No, that's not it. I've got to find a middle ground. What is my middle ground? I want to be content. I have learned. Wherever I am on the journey of life, I can be content. Verse 13 tells you how he does it. What does he say, guys? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's say it again. Everybody read it out loud together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of y'all believe that? Can I get an amen? How many of you have been through the ups and the downs and Jesus just strengthened you through it all? Can you give God praise for that? Because it's a blessing. He knows how to do that. He knows how to do that. So I'm going to give you four things today and I'm just going to kind of, this is kind of the jumping off place. How do you find contentment in Christ? How do you get that? 
And I want you to write down the first one is this. You must be captured by Jesus. You got to be captured by Jesus. And that's called salvation. When you look at salvation, it's something that every single one of us need to have in our life. We need salvation. I'm telling you, I was telling Brother Randy this week, I said, Brother Randy, when I preach, I'm not preaching just to give a speech. I'm not preaching just to go through the motions. I'm not preaching just to entertain people. I'm preaching to an end. In other words, I believe that there are people in this building today that Jesus has brought here. I believe that you're here by appointment, and I believe that God has made a way for you to be here today so that he could capture you. I believe that God's Spirit has a way of doing that. I believe that when we look at salvation, the Bible says that all of sin and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. That is every single man, woman, boy, and girl in the sound of my voice, you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When Jesus looked at Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, for that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And then Jesus said something that was incredible special to me. He said, don't you know, Nicodemus, the wind blows where it listeth, and no man knows whether, whether it comes or whether it goes? So is it that way with the Spirit of God? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you today that I don't know how God does all that. I don't know how God orchestrates all that, but I do know this. We have a God in heaven that gave His only begotten Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And I do know this, that sometime along the journey of your life, I believe this for every man, woman, boy, and girl, that God's set you up at a crossroads in your life. I believe that God regulates that. And I believe that when God sets you up at that crossroads of life, the Spirit of God blows in in your life. And God will begin to speak to you and convict you and woo you to Him. And at that moment, God is expecting for you to respond to Him because He gave the best that He had to offer for you, His Son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, the Savior of the world died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, and you must be born again. I believe that if you're going to have contentment, that your contentment has got to start when Jesus Christ captures you in salvation. Can I get an amen? How many of you remember when Jesus captured you? Can I get an amen? He captured you. There was that moment in time that God spoke to your heart that said to you these words, you're not okay the way you are. You're not all right the way you are. There was a moment in time where God, and where eternity and time made a cross, and that cross was right over your head, right over your heart. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men to me. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Can I get an amen? When I look at that, aren't you glad that God sent a Savior for you? Aren't you glad that Jesus died on the cross for you? Aren't you glad that he paid a price that you could not pay? Aren't you glad that he became the ransom for your sin? Can I get an amen? I thank God today that Jesus has done something for me that I could not do for myself. And ladies and gentlemen, there's somebody sitting in this auditorium. There's somebody at the river campus. There's somebody watching online. There's somebody listening by radio that I feel in my spirit that even as I speak right now that God is saying to you, I have set you up today to capture your heart.
And that's what he did, the great apostle Paul. He captured him. He captured him. And when he captured the great apostle Paul, the great apostle Paul turned. His life was different. He was never the same again. I believe with all of my heart, when Jesus captures you, he changes you. The Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 9, and verse number 1, and Saul yet breathing out threatenings and, and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, and went to the high priest and asked the high priest, let it, gave him letters to Damascus, to the synagogue, that if he found any of his this way, whether they be men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem to destroy them, to stop Christianity. That's what the apostle Paul was going to do. He was thinking, man, I'm going to stamp out this Christianity, this Jesus thing, there's nothing to it. So he was on the road to Damascus. He had had approval by the council of Damascus to be able to come in and bring Christians out and to slaughter them and to murder them. And the Bible says as he journeyed toward his way to Damascus, the word of God says suddenly there shined a light all around him from heaven and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said unto him, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest and it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said to Saul, arise and go to the city and I'll tell you what you must do. You know what that means, church? It means that there was a time when Saul, that opponent of Christianity, was on the Damascus road thinking that he was doing right, but he was doing wrong. There's a lot of people here today that thinks you're doing right, but you're doing wrong. You see, there's something drastically wrong with your heart. Your heart is separated from God. Your heart is distant from God. And even though you're trying to think, I'm going to do it right, I'm going to try to live the best life I can, the best life that you can live is not good enough. And the Bible says that Saul was on the Damascus road, and all all of a sudden, God showed up. And the Bible says that when God showed up, Saul got on his knees. And listen, my friend, if you want a change in your life and you want commitment, you have contentment, you have to do this. Lord, what would you want me to do? And I'm telling you, when you surrender yourself to God, that's the first step to commitment. Contentment, can I get an amen? It's the first step. You see, you'll never be content without a personal relationship with Jesus. You'll never be okay the way you are. You'll never be all right outside of him. You're always going to be looking for love in all the wrong places, for purpose in all the wrong things. You're going to be trying to find something to fill you up that won't ever fill you. You're always going to be empty and void and searching. And yes, you may have a temporary time where you think things are okay, but sooner or later that will dissolve as well. And what God wants to do is start where you, where you are, bring you to a place where you say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours, Lord. And when you, God captures you, your life will be changed. Can I get an amen? And then I want you to look at the second step. And the second step is so profound. Once you get saved, once you give your heart to Jesus, the second step is you've got to be controlled by Christ. You've got to be controlled by Christ. You got to be controlled by Him, and that's part of sanctification. Sanctification means that God is setting you apart. God's doing something in you that's causing you to move forward in His kingdom. God's doing something for you that He's enriching your life every day. And I have to be honest with you, this is the part that most of us struggle with. Most of us struggle with being controlled by Christ. We all would say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Praise God for that. But I'm going to tell you, my friend, 
Most of us battle right here. Being controlled by Jesus. Allowing Christ to control our life. Allowing Christ to control our thoughts and our actions and our reactions. And it's sanctification. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what, church? New creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are becoming new. What that means in the Greek is that all things are passing away. In other words, what God is doing once you become a child of God is he's wooing you closer to him. He's wanting you to get closer to him, and when you get closer to him, he's sanctifying you. That sounds like a big religious word. It sounds sophisticated to me. How about you? Put your chest out and say, I'm being sanctified. You see, what God's doing in your life is he's making you new. He's getting more of the old you out of you and putting more of the new you in you. He's allowing the old things of your old life to disappear, and he's enriching you with a walk with Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, it says, don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be, what church? Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Paul was giving an analogy. Now, you remember when you got drunk that time? Y'all remember that? You're looking at each other like, yeah, you should say amen to that. But you remember when the alcohol took over you and began to influence you. You see, when people get pulled over by the law and they've been drinking, it's called DUI, driving under the influence. See, that's the way your spiritual life ought to be. You ought to be living under the influence. Living under the influence of the Spirit of God. Allowing God to sanctify you every day of your life. Getting up every morning and saying, God... I just want you to control my thoughts today. I want you to control my actions and my reactions. And yes, you're sanctified four ways, and I want you to write this down. First of all, you're sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? You see, when you're a child of God, you're covered by the blood. The blood of the Lamb, the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Oh, precious is the flow. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? We're living in a world today to where people don't want to talk about the blood. People don't want you preaching about the blood. But I'm telling you, without the blood of Jesus, there is no remission of sin. You see, we can good, do a good social gospel, make everybody feel good in here, send you away and say, have a good day. But I'm going to tell you, my friend, without the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no forgiveness of our sin. The blood of Jesus, oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 12, it says these words, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his what? Own blood. You see, when you become a child of God, immediately you're covered by the blood. Can I get an amen? amen. And your righteousness is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And all of a sudden, you're sanctified. You're set apart from the world. You are a child of God. So we're, we're sanctified by the blood of Jesus. But secondly, we're sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God that we're not living our life by ourselves anymore. Can I get an amen? The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of every child of God, every born-again believer. And we're being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you how he does it. If you're a child of God and you're about to do something really stupid, really crazy, you're about to color outside the lines along the journey of life, guess who speaks to you? The Holy Spirit. And he says to you, why are you doing that? You shouldn't do that. He warns us, he corrects us, he convicts us. 
The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they ministered unto us the Holy Ghost. Things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel with you with the Holy Ghost sending, sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look on. You know what that means? The angels cannot be born again. The angels can't be covered by the blood of the Lamb. The angels can't be redeemed and saved. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the church of the Lord Jesus, and we have been bought with a price, redeemed by the, by the blood of the Lamb. Thank God for that. We got something the angels can't have. Can I get an amen for that? And thank the Lord for that. But the Bible says we have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us, sanctifying us. And then thirdly, we have the Word of God. Did you know the Word of God will sanctify you? The Word of God will set you apart. The Word of God will do a work in you that you cannot do in yourself. We got right now, we're starting in the, the new year. In your bulletin today, you ought to have fill the void brochures. You know what that fill the void is there for? Is to give you a Bible reading schedule every day this year. You ought to take that Bible reading schedule and get up every day and read that schedule. And when you're done, you will have read the Bible through this year. Ladies and gentlemen, the Word of God is not just another book. This Bible that I preach from is not just another magazine. This is the, the, the all-powerful, inspired Word of God. And the Word of God is alive and quick and powerful than any sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it pierces even the dividing asunder the, of the soul and the spirit, the joints of the marrow, the discerner of the thoughts and the intent of our heart. This is God's Word. Can I get an amen? So the more of this you get in you, the more sanctified you're going to become. John 17, 17 says this, Sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. Can I get an amen? So you know what? Every day of your life, you ought to be trying to, you ought to get in that Bible and read it and study it and say, God, I want you to sanctify me today with your truth, your word. And then fourthly, we are to be disciplined or sanctified by spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. You know, spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible study and church attendance. You, you know, we got, we got hundreds of people that are members of our church that never show up. Can I tell you this, my friend? They're only cheating themselves. Because if you're not in church and you're not studying the Bible and you're not with, the, with your believers and your brothers and sisters in Christ, you, you're, gonna, you're hurting yourself. Spiritual disciplines are not easy. Can I get an Amen. It's just not easy. It's like we're all on a Daniel fast. I'm on a Daniel fast right now for 21 days. God, look at me. Look at me. I would kill for a triple deck or cheeseburger right now. I'm telling you. I, I'm, I'm dangerous around a cheeseburger. I'm thinking God knows. And have you ever noticed when you want to discipline yourself, it's like used to when I would watch TV, it was Alexander Shannara, Alexander Shannara, Alexander Shannara. Now it's chicken and fish and, and, and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what, what in the world? It's like you look around and every billboard's got food on it and every commercial's talking about food. And, oh, my goodness, I told my wife last night, I said, like, I would give my left ear to go to the fish market and eat tonight. It's, it's crazy, guys. Spiritual disciplines are not easy. That's why it's called discipline. You have to discipline yourself in order to be sanctified in the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21 says, If a man therefore purge himself, 
Purge himself. What's he talking about in verse 20 and 19 and 18 and 17 and 16 in chapter 2? He begins to tell us, Timothy, everything he shouldn't be doing. He says, Timothy, if you would just purge yourself from these things, then what's going to happen is you'll be a vessel of honor for God and you will be sanctified. And he says to Timothy, and you will be, you will be useful for the master the master can use you when you discipline yourself and you have spiritual disciplines in your life and the flesh is saying you need to do this and the flesh is saying you desire that and you say, no, I can't because I want to be sanctified so that the, the Father can use me. He says, you will be prepared unto every good work. Look at me, church. My desire for you this year is that God set you apart, is that you will be able to live your life in such a way that people will, that the reality of what Jesus has said about you is you will let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. My desire and my prayer for you this year is that God will use you like he's never used you before. But in order to find contentment, you have to be sanctified. And you're sanctified four ways. Do you remember them? Shout them out to me. You're sanctified how? First, by the blood of Jesus. How second? By the Holy Spirit, how thirdly? And how fourthly, guys? Spiritual discipline. Mark those in your Bible. Don't miss that. That's how God is going to give you contentment in this life. You've got to have salvation. You, you've got to be captured by Jesus. You've got to be controlled by Christ. And then thirdly, you've got to be captivated by Him. Captivated by Him. Uh, you know, I love that. I wrote that down and I got glory buttons. I had a revival in my office. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's so good, Brother Jackie. You got to be captivated by Christ. What does that mean? It means that you got to write this down. You got to fall deeply in love with Him. You got to fall deeply in love with Him. You got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your spirit. You've got to fall deeper in love with Jesus than you've ever loved him before. You've got to be captivated by him. He has to be the beat of your heart, the talk of your mouth, the, the expression of your life. You've got to be captivated by him. You have to say, Lord, when you get up and put your feet on the floor in the morning, you have to say, God, I'm your child. I belong to you. And God, I want you to be, I want to be controlled by you. And God, I just want to be captivated by you. I want you to become... I want you to become the superstar in my life. I want you to become the, the beat of my heart. I want, I want to love you, Lord, like I've never loved you before. And what will happen when you do that is you will be transformed. God will start transforming you. In other words, and you may want to write this down, he'll change your love life. You'll start loving Jesus and you'll love the things that God loves. And you will, you will, re you will reject the things that God hates. And you will begin to see, all of a sudden, when you become captivated by him, watch this, contentment. Contentment. God, you, cap you captured me. God, now you're controlling me, and I'm captivated by you, Lord. Captivated by you, Father. In the book of Romans in chapter 12, verse number 1 says, I beseech you, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove that which is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. 
And I want you to think about this. In verse number 2 of chapter 12 of the book of Romans, he says, whatever you do, don't be conformed to the world. Now, this is the way that works, y'all. This is the way it rolls. When you look at something being conformed, it means that it is conformed because of pressure on the outside. And all of a sudden, the pressure on the outside is able to penetrate and pressure that, that substance, whatever it is, and to conform it into an image. And God is saying through the Apostle Paul, don't, let, don't be conformed by the world. Look at me and listen to me. The world is constantly pressuring us. The world is pressuring us to be more like them. The world is pressuring us that we are to relax our standard. The world is pressuring us all the time. And the world is coming against us every single day of our life. And I want you to remember what I'm about to tell you. The battle is right here. Can I get an amen? amen. The fight is right there. The war goes on right here in my mind. And every day I got to get up in this world that I live in today. And I have to put my feet on the floor and I have to say to God, God, I'm captivated by you today. I don't want to be conformed by this stuff. I don't want this pressure of this world to get to me anymore. I don't want to drop my guard, God. I don't want to become lazy in my spiritual disciplines. God, I don't want to miss church. I, 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 don't, I want to be there, Lord. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to give. I want to do what you want me to do, God, because I'm captivated by you. And the Bible says that you're not to be conformed by the world, but you are to be transformed. When you look at that word transform, that's an inward operation that manifests itself on the outside. In other words, there is an activity going on on the inside of you that manifests itself on the outside of you that's going to reflect who you really are. And the Bible says that you are to be transformed. You're to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to have that, that mind that says, I have to have the mind of Jesus. My, my, my carnal mind's going to tell me to do a lot of dumb things. My carnal mind's going to tell me to do a lot of stupid things. My carnal mind is going to be dictated by the operation of my flesh. And even though my flesh would want to, I can't. Why? Because, watch this. If I give in to that, watch this now, write this down. I compromise my contentment. When your flesh is dictating your decisions you will compromise your contentment. And what you really want in your life will be compromised because you give in to the confirmation, the conforming of things. Whenever you, whenever you allow yourself to break down in this issue, so what do you do? You set your affection on things above and not things below. You begin to speak in your heart, oh, how I love Jesus. And you begin to manifest that love in everything you do that you love Christ more than anything. And all of a sudden, your life is going to be transformed because you're captivated by Jesus. Don't you want that this year? Amen. Then fourthly, and this is the tough time, if you want contentment, you got to be crucified with Christ. Now, that's a hard thing, y'all. To die to yourself is a difficult thing. How many of y'all know that the old flesh is hard to bury, isn't it? The old flesh just keeps on raising its ugly head, keeps on causing us to compromise, 
And every time it does, we take three steps back. So what's the victory? You got to be crucified with Christ. And when you get crucified with Christ, watch this, you have contentment. In other words, you got to learn to die to you. You got to learn to die to you. And I'm going to tell you, that's difficult. But the great apostle Paul found this, the secret. This is what he said in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. I live, I'm alive, yet not I. Christ is alive in me. And the life that I now live, I'm living in the flesh, but I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Watch this. Most people live their life like this. And they never find contentment. What does God want you to do? He wants you to live your life like this. All to Jesus. All to him I owe. I owe everything to him. My life doesn't belong to me anymore. My life is not mine anymore. I belong to Jesus. And if I live another day, I get to live because he's living in me. And because of that, watch this, all hell may come against me. I may have to walk through the deepest valley I've ever walked through in my life. I may be on the mountaintop today and the valley tomorrow, but guess what? I'm content. Why? It's not my life anymore. It's not my life anymore. It's not my agenda anymore. It's not my thing anymore. It's about Him. And I've died to me, and now I'm living in Him. Watch this from Brother Jackie. You'll never be content until you learn how to do that. You'll never be content until you learn how to do that. In just a moment, I'm going to invite men and women and boys and girls all over this auditorium, all over the river campus. I'm going to invite you to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Christ. I'm going to invite you to do something that's a little unusual for you. I'm going to invite you to come to the front of the church. Yes, we still give an invitation. And I think it's appropriate to do that because the Bible says, if you're ashamed of me before me, and I'll be ashamed of you before my Father, which is in heaven. Every person that Jesus called in the Bible, he called them publicly. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to step out from where you're standing, and I'm going to invite you to come to ministers, and they're going to pray with you. And I believe that there's somebody here today that needs Jesus in their life. I believe there's men and women and boys and girls that want to start 2018 different than the way they ended 2017. I believe that there's people in this building today that's willing to come to an altar and say, God, I want your contentment in my life. Lord, teach me how to die to myself. Lord, I want to be strengthened by your spirit. I want to live like I'm supposed to. I'm, I'm tired of the anxiety. I'm tired, of the, I'm tired of the fear. I'm tired of dealing with the past. I don't want that anymore. God, I want your contentment in my life. Some of you need to come and join the church today and say, I'm going to make this my home. But before we do that, I want to give you one last thing that I don't want you to ever forget. 
How can you really get contentment? The only true contentment, what is that? How do you finally just draw the noose and say, okay, Brother Jackie, how do you get me down to the bottom line, Pastor? Well, here it is for you. John 3.30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Say that with me, everybody. He must increase, but I must decrease. Say it again. He must increase, but I must decrease. Say it like you're alive. He must increase. I must decrease. Let's stand together all of this place as our ministers come. Let's say that scripture again. Everybody, while we're on our feet, he must increase, but I must decrease. If you're going to find contentment in your life, that's what's got to happen. Jesus has got to increase. You've got to decrease. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, <clears throat> who would be the first to come on down and be at the altar? Who would be the first to say, God, I want that contentment in my life? Who would be the first to say, Lord, I need you in my heart today? Come on right now. Just come on out unashamedly. Just come on right now and just get before the Lord. Come on. God bless you. Others that need to come, you come. Lord, I want that contentment. You come. Lord, I need you in my life. I need a closer walk with you, God. I want to I be able to find that in my heart, my life. Come on right now. Many are coming. You come too. And if you're here and you'd like somebody to pray with you, there's ministers here. They'll help you. You come today. Start the year off right. God, I, wanna, I want that contentment in my life. I'm tired of being anxious about life. I just want that peace that I'm looking for. Come on right now. God bless you. As they begin to sing, y'all come. Just come on. Somebody will pray with you. Come on. Come on. Let's do that. Let's sing it.